0: Thanks for joining us here at Thrive Church. We're a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. For more information, go to our website, www.thrivechurch.co.za. So good to be back at Thrive Church. How many of you were here this morning? How many of you weren't here this morning? Quite Why not? But it's great to be back in the house. What a fantastic day I've had. Thank you so much to your pastors. I know they're not here this evening. Pastor Byron, Candice, what great leaders you have. And I hope you appreciate them. I hope you tell them you appreciate them. Because sometimes we can say, no, I appreciate them in my heart. Good for you to let them know, hey, we love you. We appreciate you. We're grateful for you. And uh, what a great job your team is doing. And I was on this campus this morning. I was in Edenvale for the first time. Any Edenvale people here tonight? Yeah, I, wa- I was so encouraged by what happened in Edenvale this morning. Responsive, people leaning in, and uh, people hungry for God. There was, there was great signs of good things to come there. And uh, you are blessed to be part of this church. I hope you realize that you're blessed to be part of this church. And I'm truly grateful to be invited and to have the privilege just to share with you again this evening. We're going to speak a bit on relationships in a few moments, and I uh, want to just also encourage you, if you haven't registered for conference, Thrive Conference, 12 days away. What are you waiting for? It's payday weekend. Make sure you register, and uh, the theme of your conference, it's time. Grateful for what God has done in the past 25 years, but there's a new 25 years to start now. Amen, and I have no doubt But the best days and the best years for this church are still to come. And so make sure you register. Make sure you get plugged in and be part of the great future that this church has. Let me show you my kids if you haven't seen them. These are our oldest, James and Daniel. They are twins. Uh, If you see them standing next to each other, you wouldn't even think they were from the same family. They are completely different. And uh, one's this tall, one's this tall. They weigh weigh, the 20-kilogram weight difference between the two. Uh, James on the left, his spiritual gift is eating food. He he loves, he just loves eating food. And uh, they're great boys. They will be teenagers next week. And so pray for me. I need favor. And um, then we've got two younger ones as well. Jude and Abigail, you can see they're all going through the teeth phase there with braces and retainers. Jude's eight, Abigail's five. She's gorgeous. She rules the house hands down. Well, you know, when she speaks, everyone stands at attention. And, uh, but I'm truly grateful for my kids. My wife, I'll introduce to you in a few moments, but uh, church is going well. We had a great day today, had a great Easter, and many, many people came for the first time to our church. Many people got saved over the Easter weekend, as I know did here, and uh, let us never not cease to be amazed at what God is doing in this day and age. You know, there's a lot of bad things happening in the world around us, but there is a lot of good. In our churches every day, people getting baptized tonight, people getting saved this morning. These are good days to be alive, and it's a great day to be a Christian serving the Lord. Just want to mention the resources quickly, Uh, Amy just mentioned, uh, two of them, I think we got a few left of each of them, and you know, I I wrote the 366-day Daily Devotional, it took me about five years to write that thing, and uh, for me, the biggest problem in the church is that people are Bible illiterate. People sit in church week after week, but they don't know their Bible. And if you don't know what God's saying, you're not going to live right. You're going to make poor choices. That'll give you some encouragement for every day of the year. Even the leap year is covered for you. And it's also, but more importantly, it's it's got a Bible reading plan I've put together that puts the Bible in chronological order. So you read the Bible, Old and New Testament concurrently in the order that events took place in Scripture. So it brings context to everything. I think it will really encourage you. And then finding your purpose in life. So many people get to the end of their days. They did a lot. They made a lot of money, but they never did what God put them on earth for. And when you find your purpose in life, you know what you should be doing and you know what you shouldn't be doing in life. A lot of people, a lot of Christians are doing things they shouldn't be doing. It will help steer you in the direction of God's purpose for your life. One of my great passions is to help people unlock their purpose. And we'll sign some of those after the service. i got a few more left. You ready for the Word? Great. Just put your your hand on your heart. Father, our hearts are open this evening. Would you speak through the Word? Encourage us. Make us more like Jesus. And at the end of the service, I pray that many would respond and open their hearts to you. Bless your people in this place tonight. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. 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 We'll get straight into it. Well, as I mentioned, we're going to be speaking on relationships this evening, and it was John Maxwell, the great leadership author, who One said that good relationships are more than just the icing on the cake in life. They are the cake. You know, I think it's fair to say that relationships are the key to pretty much everything in life. They are the key to our success. They're the key to our influence. They're the key to our health, to our well-being. And we must never assume that just because we are Christians that we will automatically do relationships well. In fact, it doesn't work like that. Many of us do relationships poorly If we do relationships well, life tends to go well. If we do relationships poorly, unfortunately, we end up having to deal with a lot of complications and a lot of issues. And the reality is that you can never separate your life from your relationships. I don't believe anyone can say, well, you know, my relationships are in a mess, but praise God, my life is awesome. No, no, our relationships directly determine the course that our lives take. Someone once said that our greatest joy... And our greatest pain comes in our relationships with others. I want to speak to you this evening on repairing damaged relationships. And I'm pretty sure that many people would say, well, that's something I need to hear this evening. Repairing damaged relationships. I think there's probably a number of reasons why relationships end up damaged. Uh, I think the obvious one, firstly, is is selfishness. When either one or both people enter a relationship, And from the start, it's pretty much my way or the highway. Uh, That's never a good formula to do relationships. Well, if we have different values, there will be conflict and tension in a relationship. That's why the Bible is very clear that we uh, partner with people that we are equally yoked with. Otherwise, you're always going to have problems in the relationship. Uh, I think if trust is broken, trust is, you know, obviously the foundation of relationships. When that is eroded, the relationship becomes messy. Sometimes it's because of overstepping boundaries when one or both people overstep boundaries, or perhaps if you have no boundaries in a relationship, that's also going to lead to damage. Sometimes it's just a lack of effort. You know, I think often young people, we're so in love, we get married, and, you know, it's a match made in heaven, and you forget that there's actually a whole lot of work you need to do along the way to prevent that relationship from falling apart. Obviously, if there's abuse Or if there's control in a relationship, that's always going to inflict damage. And sometimes it's just simply when expectations are not met. Whenever two people or two parties enter into a relationship, each has an expectation of the other. And if one doesn't meet that expectation or one simply perceives that the other is not meeting the end of the bargain, it will result in damage in the relationship. And so relationships, when they work, life is great. When they don't work, It comes with a whole lot of issues and generally tends to affect every other area of life. I want us to look this evening at the story of Jacob and Esau that I'm sure many of you are familiar with in Scripture. And just to give you a bit of an introduction before we read a passage Jacob and Esau were the twin sons who were born to Isaac and Rebekah. And the Bible says, from the time they were in the womb, there was already hostility between the two. And as they grew up, that tension never quite went away. Uh, Jacob, who was known as the deceiver, he was the younger of the twins, ends up deceiving Esau on two occasions. Uh, He steals his blessing, and he steals his birthright. And we pick up in Genesis 27, 41. It says, from that time on, Esau hated Jacob. That's strong words, eh? Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing, and Esau began to scheme. He said, I will soon be mourning my father's death, then I will kill my brother Jacob. Have you ever said to one of your siblings when they irritate you, I'm going to kill you when I catch you, eh? Esau really meant it. He wasn't just playing a game. He really meant to kill Jacob. But Rebekah heard about Esau's plan, so she sent for Jacob and told him, listen, Esau is consoling himself by plotting to kill you. So listen carefully, my son. Get ready and flee to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay there with him until your brother cools off. When he calms down and forgets what you've done to him, I will send for you to come back. And if you know, you don't just easily forget something when someone has hurt you badly, it tends to fester and fester and very often becomes like a cancer on the inside of us. Now, before we read the next passage of Scripture, There's a period of time, at least 20 years, that passes by. Jacob flees to his uncle Laban. He begins to work for him. Uh, Jacob marries both Laban's daughters, Leah and Rachel. In that time, Jacob grows up. He begins to develop his own relationship with God. And he begins, begins to put some of his foolish ways behind him. But he's still very mindful of the damaged relationship with his brother Esau. And bear in mind, there's been no contact for 20 years. These were the days before WhatsApp and Instagram. You couldn't just change your WhatsApp profile to brothers are awesome, amen, or or post something on Instagram, picture of you and Esau hanging out, and, you know, all good, uh, praise God for my wonderful brother. There was no contact, from what we understand, for more than 20 years. But Jacob now decides that he's going to go back to the place of his birth, And so he leaves his uncle Laban with all his uh, children and grandchildren and livestock. And we pick up in verse 33, it says, uh, chapter 33, it says, Then Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming with his 400 men. Bear in mind, Jacob has no idea what to expect when he meets his brother. But as he approached his brother, it says, He bowed to the ground seven times before him. Then Esau ran up to meet him and embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. And they both wept. What if in that moment they realized all the time had been wasted because they had been unable to repair this relationship? Verse 8, And what were all the flocks and herds I met as I came? Esau asked. Jacob replied, They are a gift, my lord, to ensure your friendship. My brother, I have plenty, Esau answered. Keep what you have for yourself. But Jacob insisted... He said, no, if I have found favor with you, please accept this gift from me. And I love the last line. It says, and what a relief to see your friendly smile. It is like seeing the face of God. I think here we see the immense relief and the joy that came into both of their lives because they had managed to repair a relationship that had been damaged for so long And can I just encourage you to always keep the end goal in mind when you go about the process of restoring a relationship because it's incredibly difficult sometimes. But if you cannot lose sight of the end, of the joy and the relief that will come back into your life, I believe it will keep you going. So let me give you a few thoughts this evening from these passages on repairing damaged relationships. You all okay? The first one is this, is simply acknowledge that there is a problem. Now this is a pretty simple thought But I think very often Christians are the worst at this. Because we're Christians and we love Jesus, we kind of think, well, I shouldn't be having all those issues anymore. I shouldn't be having conflict and fighting with other people. And so rather than simply acknowledging it, we think, well, what will people think if I admit it? Let me just remind you what people think is far less important than you making a decision to acknowledge there's a problem so that you can go about, go about beginning to repair the relationship that needs fixing. Uh, how many of you remember that movie Apollo 13? Space movie, Tom Hanks, Kevin Bacon, and they went up in the, air cro- in the, in the space shuttle and there's that famous line from the movie, five points to the one who can remember it. Houston we have a problem They had to recognize that there was a problem Before something could be done about it I think before you and I can begin to repair damaged relationships We have to acknowledge there's a problem here Sometimes you have to take it one step further And you have to acknowledge that perhaps you are the problem Now, I know in Thrive Church, it probably doesn't apply to anyone because none of you would be the problem in any relationship. In my church, it's a bit different. But very often, we have to acknowledge, actually, you know what? I might be the reason why there is a problem in this relationship. There was a man one day who went to his doctor, and he said, Doctor, he said, my wife's got a hearing problem. She just doesn't hear like she used to. I don't know what to do. The doctor replied and he said, I'll tell you what, there's a great way you can test this out. He says, when you get home this evening and she's in the kitchen with her back to you, stand about five meters behind her and ask her a question. If she doesn't answer, then take a step forward, ask her the same question. If she doesn't respond, take another step forward. And when she eventually responds, well, you'll know exactly how bad her hearing is. He thought, this is a great idea. He gets home that evening, sure as anything, his wife's at the stove in the kitchen, her back is toward him. So he's about five meters behind her, and he says to her, he says, honey, what's for dinner? No answer. He takes a step forward. He says, honey, what's for dinner? There's no answer. He takes another step forward, asks her the same question, no answer. Eventually, he's standing right behind her. He says, honey, what's for dinner? She turns around. She says, for the fourth time, I've told you it's chicken. Some of you will get that just now, but (laughs) sometimes we simply have to get to the place where we can say, perhaps I'm the problem and the reason for this damaged relationship. The second thing is to be fully committed to the restoration process. Be fully committed to the restoration process. You know, repairing damaged relationships is not fun at times, it's not easy. But you have to ask yourself the question, do I actually want to repair this relationship? Because sometimes, particularly when it comes to married couples, they're not sure. So are you sure? Well, I'll be sure if you are sure. Are you sure? I don't really know. Are you sure? You know, my boys play rugby, and uh, the youngest one, Jude in particular, he's for the first year now been playing contact rugby. And one of the first things that the coaches teach them about tackling is this. When you tackle someone, you must be fully committed to the tackle. If you tackle half-heartedly, you will end up getting hurt in the process. I think the same is true when we attempt to tackle damaged relationships. You can't go in half-heartedly. You can't go with a, well, we'll just see what happens along the way. You will end up causing further damage. You know, when I have to counsel married couples, and I've, I've told this to my team as well, whenever you counsel a couple particularly married couples, when there's issues there. The very first question I ask them once we've greeted one another is, are you fully committed to making this work? And if you cannot give me a definite yes, our meeting is finished. I cannot work with you. I cannot help you if I am more committed to this than you are committed to this. But if you are fully committed to this process, I will do whatever is in my power to help you along this journey. But if you go into it half-heartedly, you are wasting my time. You are wasting your time because you will only inflict further damage upon this relationship. You know, often what happens is we first want a bit of payback first, especially if we feel that we're the ones who've been wronged. Well, you need to grovel a bit first. Well, I need to know that you are really sorry. Yeah, I need to first you to admit that I was right and you were wrong all the time. It never works like that. The moment the relationship becomes a power struggle, nobody wins. If you win in the relationship, the relationship loses. Because for the relationship to win, both have to win so that both have to continue to move forward. Romans twelve seventeen says, Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace. With everyone. You know, the reality is there are some relationships that you will never be able to fully restore. But I want to stand before God one day knowing that I've done everything in my power, everything that is in my means to do all that I can to win with this person. If then I can't win, well, then so be it. But let's make sure we don't wait for payback first, but we are fully committed to the restoration process. The third thing is to show humility and honor. Very interesting, the Bible says that when Jacob approached Esau, it says the first thing he did was he bowed seven times before him. Now, you might think that's a bit weird. But, you know, in biblical numerology, seven is the number of perfection. And so what Jacob was doing by bowing seven times before Esau was Jacob was essentially perfectly humbling himself and showing perfect honor to his brother Esau. That's how Esau would have interpreted it. Jacob was in that moment recognizing, you know what? I was an idiot. It is my fault. I'm not blaming you. I am fully taking responsibility for this. I'm acknowledging that I was at fault here because I think Jacob must have thought about this moment every day for 20 years. He would have known the day would come when I would confront Esau. And perhaps in his early days, he was thinking about how he's going to get him in a headlock, how he's going to punch him in the head, how he's going to take him out, how he's going to finally show Esau who's the stronger. But I think as he wisened up and as he grew in his relationship with God, Jacob knew there's only one way to repair this. I have to humble myself, and I need to show honor to the person that I'm attempting to resolve this relationship with. Here's the thing, though. When Jacob humbled himself and bowed seven times, He had no idea as to what Esau's response would be. Esau might have still turned around and taken him out right there. But Jacob still did what was within his power. He still did what was right from his side. Irrespective of whether you show me honor back, I choose to humble myself today and I choose to show honor to you. A relationship will never be repaired until honor is shown and until there is a complete sense of humility as well. Again, sometimes you know, we think, well, well, I'll bow seven times if they first bow seven times. Or if they give me something to work with, then I'll respond the same way. Jacob had no guarantee of Esau's response, but he humbled himself and he showed complete honor to Esau. 1 Peter 5 verse 5 says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know, if you go into a, a conflict situation in a relationship with a spirit of pride, if you go into it thinking, I'm gonna show who's actually right here, You go in there with arrogance and pride. Not only will God not work with you, but the Bible says he actually opposes the proud. God will actually proactively work against what you are trying to do. But when you go into that same situation with a spirit of humility like Jacob did, and you recognize that even if you're sure it's not your fault, well, I can still show honor. I can still humble myself. God will give you grace, as the Bible says, to do what you need to do. He will assist you in bringing out the restoration of that relationship. I love this quote I came across. Someone said, relationships never die a natural death. They are always murdered by attitude, behavior, ego, hidden benefits or ignorance. Can somebody say ouch tonight? <laughs> Amen. Here's the fourth thing. Is to bring a generous and appropriate gift. If you're going to repair damaged relationships, bring a generous and appropriate gift. It says that Esau, uh, sorry, Jacob Sent ahead of himself, he sent a whole herd of flocks and animals as a gift, a token of friendship to his brother. You know, it's interesting over the years that there have been an, a number of different gifts that have been given from one group to another to ensure friendship and build relationship. Uh, in 1886, France gave the Statue of Liberty to the United States as a gift of diplomatic friendship to build relationships that had previously been strained. In 1972, China gave the United States two giant pandas. It's a bit of a random gift, but there we go. There's some pandas for you. And, uh, you know, perhaps some of you after the service need to get on eBay. You need to find a giant panda so that you can give as a gift to ensure the friendship of someone. In 2009, uh, then-President Barack Obama gave to his British counterpart, Prime Minister Gordon Brown, a stack of his favorite movies on DVD as a gift of friendship, only to find out that they were incompatible due to the regional restrictions, and so they weren't able to be viewed, but very clearly the Bible speaks about a gift opening a door, and let me, let me just speak to the, uh, uh, to the guys for a moment, I'm going to just give you some help this evening, can I just encourage the guys, if you've messed up in a relationship, unfortunately flowers does not cover all sins. I know you think it as, oh, I'll just buy a bunch of flowers. There we go, babes. All good, isn't it? And you think if I go to Willie's at the end of the day, you get two bunches for the price of one. I'll whack them together and here I am. There we go. And it's all better. No, flowers does not cover all sins. Sometimes it's going to cost you more than flowers. Sometimes it's going to cost you jewelry. Come on, ladies, you need to be getting excited now. Maybe it's going to cost you expensive perfume or a really expensive new dress. Amen. Amen. Guys, if you are trying to repair a relationship, do not buy her a frying pan from Clicks. It does not work. (laughs) Or I bought you this pop up toaster. You will create more problems in your relationship. Me just, let me just at the same time encourage the ladies as well, because, you know, what's fair for one is only right for the other. Ladies, unfortunately, biltong does not cover all sins. It covers most sins, but not all sins. Sometimes you think a pack of biltong, yeah, there's a pack of dead meat for you, ah, all good. No, it doesn't work like sometimes it's going to cost you more. Maybe it's going to cost you a golf bag. But again, if he doesn't play golf, don't buy him a golf bag. (laughs) Buy him an appropriate gift. Now listen, let me just say this. Buying a gift does not make everything right. But what it does is the Bible says, Proverbs 18, 16, a gift opens the way for the giver. A gift simply opens the door, but it gives you a foot in, to begin to then work on the relationship. It's not going to solve everything all at once. Proverbs twenty-one fourteen says, a quietly given gift soothes an irritable person. Ladies, if you're married to grumpy, there's some good wisdom there. A heartfelt present cools a hot temper. But seriously, what giving a gift does, three things I believe it does. Firstly, it says, I thought about you. It says, I took time, I took effort, it cost me something, I went to the mall, I had to stand in a queue, I had to personally pick out something for you, you're basically saying to the other person, it's bothering me that our relationship is damaged. Secondly, what it does, it says, this relationship is important to me. I don't want to just ignore it, I don't want to just pretend that everything is all right. I value you, and I value our relationship. And I think thirdly, what it really says is, I'm serious about fixing this. I'm not just playing games. I am fully committed to seeing this thing through and doing whatever it takes for my side to repair this damaged relationship. Can you say amen? amen. Some of you are getting built on later tonight. <laughs> Number five is this. Begin to communicate openly and honestly. Jacob and Esau could not repair their relationship because there was no communication. For twenty years they hadn't spoken with one another, and can I just encourage you? Never underestimate the power of simply communicating with one another. You know, I think we live in a in a, in a world nowadays where, where people just don't communicate anymore. So you have a whole family coming home from work, from school, from university. Everyone's sitting in the same room, but no one's communicating. We're all watching TV. Uh, 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 uh. But not only are we all watching TV, everyone's sitting on their phones at the same time. And so we communicate with sounds. How was your day? Mm. You want dinner? Mm. How are you doing? I'm fine. Mm. Let me just say, guys, if your wife or your woman ever tells you she's fine, those are clear warning signs. We think, how about I ask you, she said she's fine. If she says she's fine, she is everything but fine. It's a sign that you need to begin to communicate and work on that relationship. George Bernard Shaw once said, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. You know, I read quite a fascinating story of an elderly couple who went to a Far East country, and the, the article didn't say which country, true story, And they were one of those people, those couples who love to travel with their pets. I mean, I've just never got it why people would travel overseas with animals. But they had a little poodle, cute little poodle. They took their poodle with them. And they went into a restaurant, and the waiter could not speak English. None of the waiters could speak English. So when that couple ordered their meal, they would point to the pictures on the menu, and the waiter would give them the thumbs up, knowing that he had understood what they wanted. Well, that's all good people who travel with their pets, or so that they wanted to order a meal for their, for their dog as well. So they pointed to the poodle, and then they did the universal eating sign. The waiter was, no problem. Anyway, everyone's smiling. Ha 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 ha. The waiter picked up the poodle, took him to the back. True story. You don't even know how it's gonna end. Why are you screaming already? 45 minutes later, the waiter came out beaming with roasted poodle on a platter. True story. You shouldn't be laughing. (laughs) The point is simply this. Wherever there is no communication or improper communication, there will always be damage in a relationship as a result of that. Don't underestimate simply speaking with one another. You know, there's a number of American companies, big businesses, who've learned this lesson the hard way as well. And over the years, in, in an attempt to reach the Spanish-speaking South American market, a number of American companies have lost a lot of money in the process because they've communicated improperly. Uh, General Motors discovered this in the 1960s when they launched their Chevy Nova not realizing that Nova in Spanish means it doesn't go. And so they were trying, spend millions and millions marketing the Chevy Nova, the Chevy it doesn't go, wondering why nobody bought the Chevy Nova in South America. The Coors Brewing Company had a slogan in English, Turn It Loose, that was their catchphrase. But what they didn't realize in Spanish, that the South American market interpreted it as suffer from diarrhea. (laughs) Nobody bought their drinks. Probably the worst of all was a company called Purdue Chicken. The owner, Frank Purdue, had a saying, a slogan, that it takes a tough man to make a tender chicken. When translated into Spanish, they interpreted it as, it takes a sexually stimulated man to make a chicken affectionate. When there is no communication or improper communication, it will always result in the breakdown of a relationship and it will always end up costing us something. Tony Gaskins, the motivational author, says that communication to a relationship is like oxygen to life. Without it, it dies. Have you been helped this evening? Let me give you one more thought. Number, uh, Sorry, the last thought is this is be gracious and forgiving when an apology is offered. Be gracious and forgiving when an apology is offered. You know, in this story, we focused a lot on Jacob. But the truth is that the real hero of the story is not Jacob. Esau is actually the hero of the story. Because Esau was the one who was wrong. Esau was the one who had to live with the consequences of Jacob's decision-making. But what's so profound about the story is that the moment Jacob apologizes, the moment Jacob shows honor and humbles himself, Esau immediately accepts his apology so that the relationship can now begin to move forward. You know, when Jacob bowed, Esau didn't say, "Mm, Jacob, Jacob, Jacob. You know, you gave me seven bows, but I think you need to at least give me another seven bows. Or maybe 70 times seven bows. That would be even better. Jacob, when you've bowed another seven times, perhaps you can just draft me an email, just outlining all the ways you hurt me, all the things that you did unfairly to me. I'll have a browse for it. Then I'll pray about it. And then I'll get back to you. Isn't that what we do? The moment there was humility from Jacob. There was forgiveness from Esau. Never let relationships become a power struggle. Let it never be about you getting the last word and you saying that you are right. Because as I said earlier, if you are right, the relationship loses. If the apology has been given, accept it, be gracious, so that the relationship can begin to move forward. You know, I'll finish with a well-known story of the prodigal son, and many of you would be familiar with that. In Luke 15, he had a damaged relationship with his father. He dishonored his dad. He demanded his inheritance. He left home, and there was massive damage in that household. But fortunately, the Bible says after falling on hard times, he came to his senses, and he begins to go home to his father. And it says in verse 20 of Luke 15, he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Notice there was honor shown, there was humility. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening, we must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the party began. The father immediately accepted the son's apology when humility was shown. There was no more conditions attached, there were no more jumping through hoops. And what we see here again is the joy and the celebration. That was on the other side of a relationship that had once been damaged, but was now fully restored. I want to ask you just to stand to your feet. I want to pray this evening for, just bow your head for a moment and close your eyes. I want to pray for people who perhaps have a damaged relationship here. But if you say, I am committed to doing all that I can to restore this relationship, then I want to pray for you in a moment. If you've got a damaged relationship, but you're not yet committed to fixing it, well, I'm not going to pray for you now. We'll pray for you another time. But if you say, you know what, I've got this relationship. Maybe it's a work relationship. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's a marriage, whatever it is. And you say, you know what? It's not what it needs to be. And I want to trust God tonight. I want to begin the process of restoration. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. I want to pray for you in your relationship this evening. Just lift it nice and high. That's great. Father, you see every hand raised. Every hand represents a relationship. A relationship that is not where it needs to be. Lord, I thank you first for the acknowledgement this evening. And I pray for all these people that you'd give them courage to see this through to completion. I pray that you would give them grace to show humility and to show honor Whether they are in the wrong or not doesn't actually matter right now. Your word says that we must do all that we can to live at peace with one another. I pray for that, Lord. Give them courage. Give them strength. And I pray for joy on the other side of that relationship being repaired. Thank you that you value relationship. Thank you that you value these people with their hand raised. And you value what they are trying to repair in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded live at Thrive Church. We hope that it inspired you to move towards Jesus.